Pastor Chris's podcast. Well, good morning. I am thrilled to be here. I feel like I'm coming back home. I've been here a few times, and uh, it's always a joy to be with you all here at Pleasant Grove, and I appreciate your pastor so much. Uh, He's a friend of mine through the Walk to Emmaus and Chrysalis Movement, and um, he's a definitely true man of God, and I appreciate the ministry of Chris Mullis. Uh, This morning, I want to share with you from the book of Acts, Acts 16, 6 through 10. But before that, can we go to the Lord in prayer real quick? Lord Jesus, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable and pleasing in your sight, O God, my rock and my redeemer. Come and be with us in these few moments. Anoint this time. Speak your word through me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Reading from Acts 16, 6 through 10. says, Paul and his companions, which was Silas, traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, Come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got up at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel for them. That's the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. These were exciting times for the early church. At Pentecost, 3,000 people were saved. Talk about a revival. Now that's a revival and it happened in one day. People were hungry. Believers and churches multiplied. The fire of Pentecost called on and churches began to spring up everywhere. People were hungry and thirsty to hear the word of God. Oh, that we would see a time in our lives again where people were thirsty and hungry for the word of God. Paul changed from a persecutor to a preacher. Talk about a radical change in somebody's life. That Damascus Road experience is something that we all ought to be thankful for. For out of Paul's ministry and experience, hundreds of thousands and millions have come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord. I had my own Damascus Road experience. I was raised in a Christian home, was taken to church every time the doors opened, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Tuesday night prayer meeting, Thursday 
we were there all the time. And uh, if the doors were open, we were there. But however, going to church didn't make me any more a Christian than going to McDonald's will make me a Big Mac. <laughs> Might make me look like one, but it won't make me one. When I was 15 years old, I came to a place where I realized that I needed a Savior. I was lost, and I needed to be found. I realized that I needed Jesus to be in the center of my life, and that's when I knelt in front of my daddy's recliner on a Saturday afternoon in December of 1979, and I surrendered my heart and my life to Jesus Christ, and I've never been the same. I've never got over it, and I hope I never get over it. Have I had a perfect walk with Christ since then? Absolutely not. But he's been faithful to me each and every day. Jesus has been faithful to pick me up when I fall and help me get back on track serving him. Now I want everyone to know Jesus and how much he loves them and wants to give them a new life too. I went to Philippines recently on a mission trip and uh, I didn't really know what to expect while I was there. And there was, they spoke Tagalog, and I don't speak Tagalog. I hardly speak English. I speak Southern English. So I had an interpreter, and my message to them was very clear. I just simply said, I came from America to tell you that Jesus loves you. He loves you so much, he died for you. And all he wants in return is a relationship with you. And if you receive him and believe in him and accept a relationship with him, one day you'll get to go to heaven. And if you don't receive that relationship with him, and if you reject him, you will not go to heaven. It was very simple. Do you want a relationship with Jesus? And they would be like, yes, yes. I had the opportunity to personally pray with over 2,100 people. In two and a half weeks, led more people to the Lord on that trip than than I have in thirty six years of ministry, because the message was so simple: Jesus loves you. He wants a relationship with you. If you'll receive that, and if you'll accept that, then you get to go to heaven. If you don't, you won't. And sometimes I think we've missed the simplicity of the gospel. How simple it is. Paul went on missionary journeys to tell the good news. Once the Lord got a hold of his life, he was on a mission to tell everyone he came in contact with 
the gospel of Jesus Christ. <coughs> Paul had a vision at Troas. We just read about it in verse 9. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, Come over to Macedonia and help us. He heard the Macedonian call. He was to go to Macedonia. When Paul heard the call, he responded positively. When I received the call to preach, I didn't respond positively at all at first. You see, I had a major roadblock in my way when God called me to preach. And that was the fact that I'm a woman. I wasn't raised with women preachers. Didn't know if I even believed in them. And God called me. And I'd always frowned on women in ministry, and I felt God tugging at my heart and indeed calling me to preach. And I thought, how can this be? I don't even believe in this. Well, I turned to my Bible. When you don't know what, you don't know the answers, where do you turn? God's Word. I turned to my Bible, and I discovered that the first evangelist after the resurrection was a woman who was charged with telling the good news that Jesus was indeed alive. The Bible speaks of many women in leadership positions. I was reading in my own personal Bible study last night in the book of Judges about Je Deborah being a judge and a prophetess. <coughs> so she had the spiritual leadership from being a prophetess, and she had the political leadership of being a judge. And then there was Queen Esther, or Lydia, who taught the word of God. Many examples of women in ministry throughout the Bible, and who was I to question that God could use somebody like me? Well, I went to my daddy, who was an ordained Baptist preacher, deacon, at the time. And you know, Baptists don't believe in women. You know, they just don't believe in women in leadership or in, in uh, or preaching, especially in the pulpit. So I went to my daddy. I said, Daddy, I feel like God's called me to preach. And you know what my daddy said to me? He said, Donna Sue, if God has called you to preach, then you preach. And I knew then I had my daddy's blessing. And there was something special about having daddy's blessing that allowed me to fully surrender my call that God had on my life. And I'm thankful for the Methodist Church for giving me a place in ministry. I spent 18 years in the United Methodists, and then the rest of my time has been in the Evangelical Methodists. And I wouldn't trade my journey for anything. 
the message was, come over to Macedonia and help us. (coughs) Macedonia had a spiritual need. There was a vision of a man begging for help, and this need needed to be taken seriously. Here in your community, there is a spiritual need as well as physical needs. And all these needs need to be taken seriously. There are lessons that can be learned from Paul's Macedonian call. And first off, we can learn that lost souls call us to the mission field. There was a man standing and begging him, come over and help us. These people are lost in sin and without hope. Ephesians 2.12 says, Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. These people had never heard the gospel. They don't know that God loves them. If we could just get one thing across to our neighbors and our friends and the people of this community, it would be that we need to let each person know that God loves them. The Macedonian people do not know that Christ died to save them. Likewise, here many do not realize that Christ has done for them on the cross of Calvary. They don't know that he arose and offers them eternal life. Do you know that you have people right around this community, right around this church, who don't know that? They don't know the basics of the gospel. They simply don't know the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they're dying and they're going to hell unless we get the gospel to them so that they will know the truth and the truth will set them free. How can they believe when they have not heard? Romans 10, 14 says, How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one in whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? We are called to be the voice of God. We are to speak on his behalf. How can they hear without someone telling them? Do you hear the calls of the lost? Are you willing to tell them of Christ and his love? You may not be a preacher, and you may not be called to teach Sunday school or even Bible school, but like the brother said, you can offer a a juice box in Jesus' name. We all have a call on our lives. And we need to get beyond ourselves so that people will know that Jesus loves them. Lost souls call us to the mission field. And number two, lost souls should cause us to heed the call. Paul had a deep love for lost souls. Consider his love for the Jews. In, um, in Romans 9, 1 through 3, he says, I speak the truth in Christ. 
I am not lying. My conscience confirms it in the Holy Spirit. I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart, for I could wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from, the, from Christ for the sake of my brothers, those of my own race, the people of Israel. So he had a love for, the, for lost Jews, but he also had a love for lost Gentiles. All of his missionary journeys, his goal was to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. See how quickly Paul and Silas re- responded to the call. They responded immediately. They didn't wait. In verse 10, after Paul had seen the vision, it says, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. They went on to Philippi, the chief city of Macedonia. Paul preached at a prayer meeting by the river, and Lydia was converted. After her conversion, she and members of her household were baptized, and they invited Paul and Silas to her home, and they went there for the evening. And after that, Paul delivers a demon-possessed fortune teller in verses 16 through 18 of that same chapter. It reads, once we were going to the place of prayer, we met a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune-telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God, who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the spirit, In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. And at that moment, the spirit left her. This is what got Paul and Silas thrown into prison. The owners of the slave girl who was possessed didn't like the ministry that Paul and Silas were doing, and they took them to the court officials and had them tried and thrown into prison. But what happens next in prison? Except for Paul and Silas, they reached the jailer. About midnight, they're singing songs of praise and thanksgiving to God. They're praying and they're praising, and it brought about an earthquake. And the jailer freaks out. He panics, and he's going to commit suicide. He takes his sword, and he's going to kill himself. When Paul yells, do not harm yourself, we're all here. Then the jailer fell at Paul's feet and says, what must I do to be saved? The suicidal jailer becomes a believer. Paul tells him, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved, both you and your household. Great victories await us when we heed the call to reach the lost. For Paul and Silas, they were released from prison after the guard came to Christ. He took them back to the magistrates and they released them. Folks, y'all, we are called to be faithful. 
to the call that Christ places on our lives, whatever it is and wherever it is to go. Your call may be just to share a witness with someone at work or speak to a neighbor and invite them to come to church with you or invite the children of your neighborhood to come to Vacation Bible School. For this moment in time, you are called to be faithful to the call that God is putting on your heart to be a part of this church here and its mission. Lost souls call us to the mission field. Love for souls should cause us to heed the call. And finally, look around. The mission field surrounds us. It surrounds us. The field is the world. In Matthew 13, 38, it says, The field is the world, and the good seed stands for the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one. Your Macedonia begins now. We all meet lost people everywhere we go. Have you even noticed that they are there? See how Paul and Silas seized every opportunity in Macedonia. How many opportunities? Let me ask you this. Some of you came into a relationship with Jesus years ago. Years ago. How many opportunities since then have you seized to tell someone about Jesus? Have you at all? I heard it said years ago by a fellow pastor that I worked with. He said, if, you, if no one knows that you're a Christian, you're not. If no one, if no one knows, how can you be? Jesus says, if you're ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of you. How many people have you told? How many people have you told of Jesus and his love? Do you hear the cries of lost ones all around you? I want to encourage you today for each one to reach one. Don't go to heaven and stand before the Lord and have him say, what about my... What about these souls that were in front of you that you failed to speak to? I want him to say, well done, good and faithful servant. They are crying out for your message every day. Maybe as you reflect on your own life, you realize that you can't fully share the love of Jesus with others because you don't have a personal relationship yourself. Today you can settle that once and for all. There's no better time. Today is the day of salvation. So I would ask you as we go to the Lord in prayer to examine your hearts and say, Lord, if, if you are here today and, and you say, Lord, 
I can't pinpoint a day or time that I came into a relationship with you. I've just always been. Going to church won't make you a Christian any more than going to McDonald's will make you a Big Mac. Remember that. You have to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. There has to be a time when you go to the Lord and you say, Lord, I admit I'm a sinner. I'm in need of a Savior. Come and save me. Make me a new person in Jesus' name. And it's as simple as that. If you pray that prayer, then it's as, it's as simple as that. Let's, let's pray. Lord, I pray for everyone under the sound of my voice who is in need of you today. Lord, maybe they already do have a relationship with you, but maybe they've never went beyond that and heard their, their call to be a witness for you. Lord, challenge their hearts today. May this be the first day of the rest of their life to be a witness for you. Your word says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and will forgive us of our sins. Lord, we trust you today. In Jesus' name, amen.